Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Open Mic with the MVP, Marco. I am, of course, your host, the MVP, Marco. And uh, before I get to my next guest, obviously, I got I to do the plugs. I got to plug the uh, the Pod Foundation, uh, the greatest collection of podcasters, not even just wrestling podcasters, just podcasters in general, content creators. We get we get it locked on every single aspect of uh, of your life. Literally every single day of the week, um, you can listen to us. You don't need to listen to any other podcasts out there or check out any other social medias. Just keep it locked into the Pod Foundation. Obviously, uh, that's Chick Foley, the Chick Foley Show with myself, Seth Jordan, and Chick Foley herself, Sheena Phelps. Um, we also have coming down the aisle with J Bone. Um, he's a great guy. I'm on a show with him. Actually, um, the next uh, thing I'm going to say is the Turnbuckle Tavern. Um, they're pretty much the ones that have a show every single week. <laughs> we try to keep up with everybody. Um, but uh, they're, they're the workhorses of the uh, the Pod Foundation. Um, I'm also on uh, their feed as well, the Raw Down, um, every Thursday at uh, 8 o'clock p.m. EST. And then Friday, we drop the audio of that. So definitely uh, watch on Thursday, listen on Friday. If you haven't gotten enough of this uh, this beautiful voice, <laughs> I mean, if you if you haven't, that's that's totally fine. But if you have, I I, I appreciate it. I appreciate all all the support, uh, whether it be positive, negative, you know, what have you. Uh, but onto the last uh, member of the um, Pod Foundation, that's Extra Cooler Nick, um, along with Matt in the uh, the Survivor Series team. Um, they just came back from a hiatus. Uh, they have their new episode out. They cover, I believe, it's uh, Cactus Jack and uh, Vader at Halloween Havoc. So definitely check that out. Um, go to at uh, Pod Foundation on IG. Uh, that's where you get all the updates of everything that's happening with the Pod Foundation members. Uh, that's back up and running. It did take a hiatus as well, um, but um, just we'll we'll pull the curtain. I ran that <laughs> IG. Um, couldn't get in for some reason. Couldn't remember the. Uh, the um, password to it you know how ig is with like you know trying to figure out who you are and all that stuff so kind of gave up and then tried out again and guess what we're back in now we'll be updated every week with all the happening so just go right to pod foundation on ig for all the updates now let's bring in my guest um my guest is actually a part of the um of the pod foundation um uh specifically the turnbuckle tavern um and i call the you know turnbuckle tavern the workhorses of of uh of the pod foundation but this individual in particular might be like the workhorse of of uh of the uh the turnbuckle tavern and all of the pod foundation if uh if uh you know you want to put it that way there's an argument for anyone else you know within the group but uh this this gentleman definitely puts in a lot of work on every single show that he's on um he does things outside of um of uh podcasting and we'll get we'll definitely get to that um so let me bring in uh my guests for this evening, Ace Field Retro. How What's you, up, sir? Marco? Thanks for having me on, dude. Yeah, no problem, man. This is like I was talking to you a little bit before this. This is definitely a uh, one of my checklists. I try to get everybody in the Turnbuckle Tavern and the Pod Foundation. You were you were next in line. It's been long overdue. Well, I appreciate the kind words on the intro, and you know, <laughs> likewise, the Pod Foundation wouldn't be what it is without all its equal parts and. Uh, just want to thank everybody for the support always. And I noticed the pod foundation Instagram is back up and popping. We want to, it's hard to keep everybody updated. Cause like you said, we have shows yeah. dropping multiple times a day sometimes with everyone in, included. So 
Oh yeah, especially with like I said with the with the Turnbuckle Tavern and the you know it seems like you know you have your staple you you know your your main shows your flagship shows um you know we're kind of our, our shows are individually kind of creeping up there I'm not you know I'm not saying the flagship show isn't it but you know Brace for Impact the Raw Down they you know they're creeping up in uh in the Turnbuckle feed so but yeah I mean you have that you have wrestling tonight you have Big Night just just everything i mean i'm waiting for uh hopefully broken vcr comes back at some point that'd be that'd be something to uh look forward to and then obviously with the chick foley side of things we're starting to do you know more shows like me i have this show obviously you have seth and jordan with the pod warriors and now with the nfl season the the goal line going so we just need sheena to get a need her to do a show that i'm not sure if she, not 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 the chick foley show but her own <laughs> separate show we'll see see if we can get her to do it <laughs> yeah, just a separate of wrestling one. They can talk about life on the farm. I mean, that's always one of the more interesting parts of the the chicky quickies that they drop. And uh, <laughs> it's always a fantastic listen because I think everybody we're on such different places in the United States and even sometimes out of the country. Yeah. So everyone's bringing a different perspective to their wrestling fandom and otherwise. So it's really cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, like I said, you like you're the workhorse. Like I say, of the uh, of the Turnbuckle Tavern, you're on like multiple shows, obviously. But then you know, if someone needs a you know a hot tag. Uh, to come into a show, you're you're definitely there. Like, how do you like? Do you love? Do you just love talking wrestling? Like, is this? Do you have? Do you share that passion? Does it ever get boring to you? Like, uh, I wouldn't say it gets boring. I mean, there's times where you know, if it ever feels like it's a chore, it's because it's not as driven as conversation. My my most fun I have on the shows is the shows that are really focused on whether it be a specific event, a specific mm -hmm. show. Uh, like Shot Nostalgia is my favorite to do because yes. of the fact it's so driven in context and like of course i love the retro watch along but it's also really fun to go back and dive deep into the newsletters and see the financials behind things and what why decisions were made and kind of seeing the precursor like we're reading the newsletters from 1987 and seeing like the next newsletter we're about to drop when we do the show is about kurt Henning coming over to wwf and what that means and how much it's like hurting everybody else so it's so mm -hmm. cool to see those names drop and like almost predict the future in, in hindsight so a uh, long story short uh i do enjoy podcasting um you know, it wouldn't be as fun without the guys that we do it with. I love working with Colton and, and Mike and Chad, of course, but everyone in the Tavern and Pop Foundation is awesome. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I was I was actually going to bring up uh, Sean Nostalgia because I do love the fact that you uh, you actually go back into and you like like you said, you read the business the, the business side of things, um, depending on what the topic is and stuff like that, and, and what that meant. And it's almost like it's your your it, obviously it's not happening now, but it it, it gives that feeling of like you know something brand new you're like oh man because now we have that you know back then we weren't really reading finance i wasn't anyway i was more interested in the product more than anything but now when we're doing you know podcasting and things like that now you can go back and you can actually see the financials and see the business side of things and you know why they made these decisions you can actually bring that into the into the you know the entertainment part of uh and i do i do love the fact that you uh that you do that that's uh that's that's a piece i think is missing from a lot of uh a lot of you know wrestling podcasts uh besides the ones that are done by you know like the legends but yeah, yeah the, of course people I mean, like building, us doing it building the context is so huge for us i mean we could sit there and enjoy the product because we all some of the stuff we've already watched and like i think the most recent episode we did was the precursor to wrestlemania 3 and everybody's mm -hmm. familiar with that card obviously hogan and andre and ricky steamberg mm -hmm. versus macho man we all enjoy the the pomp and circumstance that happened at the silverdome that night Yep. But understanding the stuff that went on before the beforehand and how not guaranteed it was that Andre the Giant was even going to be able to compete that night and yeah. conversations in the newsletter about they're making contingency plans for that. And that's something you don't consider. Obviously, Andre was beat up and he was at the end of the rope as far as competing goes. But 
looking at really them laying the, the, the map out for Paul Orndorff potentially getting that match in the main event and talking about the butterfly effect about what would have changed and is the business exactly where it was? Is it too, is it too dramatic to say that WWF is not where it is or WWE is not where it is because Andre didn't slam, you know, didn't get slammed by Hogan. Mm-hmm. That's the type of conversations I love having because if, if it's not right place, right time, we could be looking at a completely different business that we're all fan of. Yeah, definitely. The, the, you know, like the butterfly effect as they call it, um, or just a ripple in time. If like you said, yeah. that, that never happens that, uh, that body slam doesn't, that's the thing that they show right at the beginning of all their, exactly. you know, their product now. So like, that's the staple of, of WWE, that slam. If that slam doesn't happen, yeah, you're right. Where does, where does, does WWE exist? Does wrestling exist? Is it, are we still looking at territories? Right. Um, it will definitely, I definitely want to get into like, you know, it's not really territories, but now you've seen like a lot of local um, wrestling organizations pop up. Um, I always, I, I, I started talking about a little bit on my show, um, uh, chaotic wrestling. That's, that's in my area. Um if you go on their website, uh, they actually have like, they started an alumni page and it's pretty insane. The amount of people that came up or have wrestled in that organization. You have like MJF, uh, Cody Rhodes, Sasha Banks. Um, I think Kofi was in it at one time. Uh, who those, um, uh, Carmelo Hayes, who was, um, uh, Casanova when he was, uh, before his name changed and stuff. But like, do you see that? I mean, you're in the scene. We'll, we'll kind of skip to it. I'm going to kind of skip ahead. You're, you're, you're kind of in that scene now. Do you see that as like a, as a thing that's happening? Not really territories, but more local driven uh, organizations that aren't like traveling, you know, state lines. They're staying within that state and putting on shows. Like it seems like every week on my end anyway, it seems yeah. like there's a show literally every week or every other week. Is that the same? Do you see that happening? I mean, definitely wrestling is in a boom period right now, just to touch upon the Massachusetts area. To me, I mean, I worked a show uh, a month ago, month and a half ago with Rad Pro Wrestling. I'll be working with them again coming up uh, in a few weeks. But the Massachusetts area is a hotbed for, for professional wrestling, whether it be wrestling open for beyond or even go to Maine with yep. Limitless. They're just I mean, the, the crowd is passionate. The talent is over the top talented. Uh, so that is an area that is a hotbed for people who are traveling from even New York, Jersey, you know, elsewhere to get to. That, you know, in whether it be Worcester or elsewhere in that area, yep. like Rad Pro ran out of Amesbury, but the crowd is just so passionate and they just yep. love wrestling. So, you know, they're having festival at the end of at the end of um, December. So they're going to have a three day festival of wrestling, which is a celebration. Uh, but as far as like wrestling goes, as far as you could find an independent show pretty much anywhere yep. in driving distance every every single weekend and sometimes multiple shows in a day. Uh, I think the underbelly of wrestling is very healthy. If you look at the talent yep. underneath. You could look at some of the talent you'd see in a local promotion. You go, you know, 10 minutes from your house. There's some of the most talented guys that we're lucky as fans to have that right now. And I'm yep. certainly lucky to work closely with some of the most talented guys on Long Island, New York. I mean, uh, names that come to mind, Gabriel Sky, Tristan Ty, Desmond Cole, uh, Dominic De Niro. These guys are like names that people are going to be hearing somewhere down the line. And like you're getting to see them grow as performers and just the level of talent compared to where it used to be. And I've been a wrestling fan for a long time, but seeing the access we have to really quality matches on a weekend basis is just fascinating to me. It's, it's, it's amazing to be, it's an amazing time to be a wrestling fan. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, just to add on to that, it's, you know, definitely, you know, I, I had, um, uh, heel Liz on, well, that episode didn't drop yet. So, but it will soon, but we talked about, you know, she's, she's, uh, you know, running the, like, kind of like the SoCal, um, area for, you know, for independent wrestling. And we talked, we, we talked in length about that, like her involvement and stuff like that, you know, you know, being a referee in some of the matches, you know, doing announcing, get involved. 
in some of the matches and stuff like that. Um, and I know obviously you, you do a lot. Is that something that you would consider do? Are you going to basically, are you going to take a bump at any point? Do you think? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's it's been discussed for sure. Uh, I was in the rumble <laughs> back in February uh, where I was eliminated, but untouched. I had to take the cowardly way out, uh, yeah. but it's definitely being discussed down the line uh, during practice. I've stepped foot in the ring. I'm not taking bumps at all, but the guys kind of are yearning for it. I think they've asked me to do things with me and want that to happen, but, I'm going to be 35 years old this January. So <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not sure if that's, you know, that my time has passed as far as being an active competitor, but who's to say I won't take a, you know, a bump and, you know, be out cold for the rest of the night because that's uh that's what the announcers <laughs> do. You got to sell it like a champ. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, she, the, the, if you go to her page, uh, Hale Liz, she actually took a light tube uh, oh, to man. somebody's head. So overhand over, like she, I asked her like, how, like, how'd that, how'd that go? Do they ask you to do it? Or did they give you any tips? You, they were like, they were just like, no, do you want to do it? And I was like, yeah. And then they, I just went out there and she's like, I try to be as careful as possible. Like when, if you see it, she just goes over the top. She doesn't like go across or anything. Right. But uh, she said it was pretty, uh, it was pretty uh, gnarly seeing, seeing that happen. I was like, I, I never spoke to anyone that hit anyone, anybody else in the head <laughs> with, a, with a light tube. So that was pretty uh, crazy. But yeah, I see that. I mean, you, you do a lot of announcing and stuff like that. Um, so I figured, you know, maybe down the line, you're going to not, not, you know, strap on the boots and, you know, do a, like a 60-minute right. Broadway or anything like that. But, like, you know, um, you, do you ever get the, like, do you ever get that feeling, like, when you're in ring doing the announcement? Like, what's that, like, what's that rush feel like? Well, I mean, so the, the biggest itch is to take a bump, like, when they have the crash pad in the ring and all the guys are doing flips mm -hmm. and springboards and things. I just want to get up there and do it. Then I'm like, I think twice and don't want to hurt myself. And <laughs> uh, But in the ring, the rush in front of the crowd, like, when I first did it, I was – nervous beyond belief. It was something that I just took a jump and decided to, you know, reach out to remarkable wrestling. I reached out to a few schools just to see like if anyone's in need of a ring announcer. And by the way, they are. So if you guys are interested yeah. in doing something like that, referees, ring announcers, uh, just interviewers, things like that, those th there's a need in pro wrestling for that. So if you're interested in any capacity, just take the jump two feet in and try to figure out how you can make it happen. But the first time I did it, you know, I, I had just messaged a few and Kono from Remarkable Wrestling got back to me. He's the one that runs the account. And he said, just show up to the school and you can have a tryout. So in front of all the guys, I had to just, he gave me a, a rundown of these practice matches and I had to just kind of show out. And then it would be a year probably for the next Halloween show. The first show I had, it's like the poster over my shoulder uh, for the Haunted Halloween Havoc event. That was my first event. And, you know, it was just kind of baptism by fire, figure it out. And over time it's gotten better, but uh, it's one of those things you don't know until you try it, but it is, there is a rush every time you step in for that ring. It's to me, it's a, it's a holy ground uh, really for a wrestling fan to be there. And the ring that we work on in, in NYWC, well, that ring for my first show and a few shows that we ran, that's the original ring from ECW. That's uh, the ring that they oh. use in ECW. And that entrance wow. ramp is from ECW, the original brick uh, because Mikey Whipwreck was influential in starting that school. So mm. I'm really standing on hollowed spiritual ground. That's insane. That I, that's that's nerve wracking in it. Yeah. In itself, just uh, just knowing that uh, you're you, you kind of have like the presence or like kind of like the spirit of of ECW. For sure. <laughs> I mean, there's a huge thing like the this area of New York. There's a lot of influence from ECW and the fallout of where everybody went. And Mikey Whipper had such a huge influence on this scene, MYWC, and eventually what became what it is now and what they've turned out. They've turned out superstar after superstar, whether it be Cardona, you know, Willow Nightingale recently. Yeah. You can talk about. John Reynolds, I mean, uh, Alex Reynolds and John Silver. So like MYWC continues to create stars, but 
you're right. I mean, looking at like when I first walked through, I had to touch the brick wall because I'm like, this is the original one. Everyone's like, yeah, oh, so yeah. what? But they like they have seen it. But for me, I was like, this is amazing. That's crazy. Just be. I mean, that's a it's it's history. You, you touch it for right sure. There. Whether it was like a you know, it is what it was. It the impact that it that it had. I mean, it was a short run for obviously for ECW, but um, just the impact it had on wrestling. Um, yeah, that's definitely uh, like you said, that's that's a sacred uh thing that that brick wall there dude i'm such a nerd too for that stuff like when i'm when i went to fenway park i know you're familiar you're a Sox fan and wrigley field like those things if those walls could talk i'm such a huge fan of of just history leading buildings and just what what they've seen and you know my heart was broken when the yankees tore down their you know the original yankee stadium and that type of stuff i mean you can't replicate history and that's like what i'm i mean baseball is a huge thing for me as well but history is huge for me especially in you know all facets and why would you erase that you know oh yeah definitely uh that that's you know uh j-bone when he uh traveled up here during the summer uh to see the, the yankees are playing the red Sox. yanks and, got uh, smacked that day i remember yeah yeah was, that's what, a, yeah or something <laughs> yeah he uh he so he yeah we met we met up earlier and like the the restaurant we were at is on uh it's on lansdowne street so like literally you sit you're sitting at your table and if you look out the window you can see the like the wall the green monster just like you can awesome. just, you see people sitting up there drinking and stuff like that. They're getting ready for the game. But um yeah, he was he was pretty uh he was pretty stoked that he got to actually see, you know, and actually you know enter the field and stuff like that. I'm like, you know, be it whatever, you know, whoever you are, like if you're a fan of, it doesn't matter. Like I want to go to other I want to go to Wrigley Field definitely at some point. Definitely want to go to Yankee Stadium. Um it just just experience like experience that 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 type of thing. It doesn't matter like whatever rivalries and stuff like that. It's it's more or yeah. less like history and be able to be like, yeah, I was, I actually stepped foot in that place. That's, that's all I want to really want to say. <laughs> and, yeah. And honestly, the, for me, it's a huge thing. Like I just think history and we talk about this all the time on wrestling tonight about what WWE has over everybody. It's, it's, you can't replicate history. They have the benefit of being around for all these years where they can lean on their past and bring back yep. legends and talk about the lineage of the intercontinental championship. It means yeah. something, but you know, we you know we were just talking about on Shot Nostalgia. We were talking about the tag team uh, tournament that they did on a one-off as a Crockett Cup imitation called mm-hmm. the Frank Tunney uh, tournament. And it was this tag team tournament it was supposed to be this thing that was lineage driven, and they want to keep it forever in 1987, and it never happened again. Yeah. So huh. I think about the same thing with the Owen Hart tournament. Like if 20 years from now, this might be the most prestigious tournament that we know. And right now, people look at it as like, eh doesn't really mean anything you get this fake belt who cares but like 20 years down the line it might have all this prestige thinking about all that came before it so it just takes time yeah i'm i'm, I'm hoping that by that time uh they you know the the you know wwe and you know his family come to some term of agreement and they can work with the AEW as well if that's still the case and they can you know kind of bring i think that's what obviously we know that's the, that's a piece that's missing his his career was in wwe True. so that whole that whole thing we're missing right now. Obviously, you can go to the Stampede and New Japan and all that stuff, but the core of his, you know, fan base was WWE. And I'm hoping, like you said, if it is like a, you know that tournament does become prestigious down the line, like maybe at some point they could, you know, all work together and kind of give give him his just due in that sense. So it would be we'll awesome down the line for wrestling to work together all together. And who knows with the new leadership team with you know TKO if that if they have a different yeah. mindset. Maybe yep. they have a different mindset about looking at the business, but I think that's where wrestling's become the strongest when different companies work together and lift each other yep. up. And as long as there's not this insecurity that someone's going to put each other out of business. And I think over time, the Monday Night Wars have like P 
PTSD for Vince McMahon. He doesn't yeah. want to help anybody. <laughs> yeah. That's, but that's I think true. wrestling, I mean, <laughs> can you imagine a super show, what that would do for wrestling? If you had this super show with all the major, the major American promotions working together, it's, mm -hmm. it's a pipe dream, but to think about the dream matches of potentially Roman Reigns and Kenny Omega representing their, their brands, or it's just, that would be amazing. That would create another, you want to talk about a, a boom period, take it above that. If WWE and AW work together. Yeah, like and it doesn't have to be like a you know it doesn't have to be like a multiple pay. It could be like a a once a year thing. Right. It could be once every like five years they do it. Like something where they can obviously because they need to plan and you know make sure you're on the business side they have to you know do all that stuff. But that that'd be crazy if they can actually you know set something up where it's just it's like one one thing that they do like once a year or like I said by like every other year or you know every two years something where you know just to give us fans that that one that one moment of like, like you said, seeing their top star versus their top star. Cause obviously with AEW, we get to see a lot of different dream matches and stuff like that. Um, but you know, obviously the real dream matches are the, the biggest stars from the, the, the two biggest companies essentially like going at it. Like man, a Seth Rollins versus like uh, will Ospreay or you know, yeah. Seth Rollins versus like even orange Cassidy might be crazy. Like just to think of, just to think of that as a wrestling fan is like insane. Like, I, I can't even like describe it. Like it's, it'd be, it'd be pretty wild to see that happen. Hopefully, like you said, you know, with the new management and stuff like that, it's uh they take a different, you know, approach when it comes but to for now. We'll get to enjoy AEW and impact working together, impact and yep. Japan working together. And I think yep. the inroads of wrestling realize that, you know, it's cliche, but a rising tide lifts all ships and WWE can help more than hurt anybody. I think they're too big to sink at this point. They're, you know, they're at this point, they're at the top of the heap looking down on everybody and they already have guaranteed money with this TV deal coming in and all the yeah. broadcasting rights. So why not help the wrestling business at large? Yeah, I'll say, I'll say this. The, I mean, the wildest thing that I seen on WWE television was Chris Jericho on Broken Skull Sessions. <laughs> right. <laughs> and he was in yeah. it. He signed AEW. He had an AEW. Uh, he had Well, he had a book at the time. I have it. And he, on the cover of the book, they show the cover. He's holding the AEW World Championship. And that was like that right there. I think like, you know, Jericho, Christian, those guys can be that like they can be that bridge. Between yeah. WWE. And, but I think, you know, they're in the I mean, for Jericho anyway, it seems like he's in the sense of like, you know, team AEW. Let's get, you know, let's get them to where they need to be. And then I think like I think he feels like he's at a point where he can you know reach back. And like kind of, you know, bridge that gap between W. I think I, I think it's a possibility. I think he's that guy to do it personally. I think Jericho is that that guy that can go, you know, let's make this happen. Talk to Tony, you know, talk to whoever about you know, Triple H, whoever's going to be in charge um, <laughs> down the line. And I think he can make it happen, man. Well, I, people I don't know. with larger conflicts have made it work. It's I mean, there's inroads yeah. throughout the 80s and, and 90s and 2000s where there's promotions that hate each other working together and. We saw this like, you know, all together now show with all J Japanese promotions. Yep. You know, pro wrestling, Noah, New Japan, pro wrestling and and all Japan working together. And they historically don't like each other. So they made it work. Yeah. So I think WWE and AEW eventually not saying next year, but within the next five, 10 years, I think it's a possibility more so than ever. Yeah. Let's um, let's switch gears. No cell studios. Before I forget, I want to I mm -hmm. want to learn more about this because I seen that. Obviously, it's in your bio. Um. Where did, the, where did this come from? Where did it start? How'd you get the uh, the plan going for this? So paired with my responsibilities as ring announcing with Remarkable and the opportunity to do all the stuff I do with them behind the scenes, 
uh, I make the graphics for the match card for Remarkable Wrestling. And uh, I wanted to have a, a subsidiary of something else where I could kind of put my stamp on making graphics for whether it be podcasters or other wrestling promotions. So No Cell Studio became that. And I named you know where I podcast No Cell Studio tongue in cheek to do the intro saying live yeah. from No Cell Studios. It's Ace of Tavern, Ace of Retro. Uh, just to have a place, a home. Uh, I just think that it's really awesome to have, you know, a spot that you call. And I just like the the no cell studios. And really the name came from uh, my cat, Don, who would stay in this room with me while I podcast. He was an older cat. So he wanted to be by me all the time. Yeah. And he would jump on my lap and I'd be wearing shorts and he would grip his nails on my legs. Oh my and God. And my girlfriend would say, <laughs> uh, you know, you always know sell it. And I was like, yeah, it's because he, he would like literally scratch me up while he's laying on me. And I was it's like, it's like the no cell studio. And it just came, came to me like that. But it's about the graphics, really. And I have a price sheet on my Instagram at no cell studio. So if anyone is interested in whether it be podcast graphics, I do a lot of the podcasting graphics for Turnbuckle Tavern for the only one I don't make in the show I do is uh, wrestling tonight, which Chad takes over. He's so great at that. Yeah. Uh, do Brace for impact. I also do the shot nostalgia one. I was making the AW wrap up one. I've made you know, graphics for other podcasters that's reached out. It's affordable pricing. So if you're looking to, you know, bring some pizzazz or make a new logo, uh, definitely not Nick from Extra Cooler, but I'm, you know, definitely able to do some uh, <laughs> awesome stuff. But uh, Nick is next level. He's like where, you know, that's the Roman Reigns of uh, graphic yeah. design. <laughs> yeah, I see that. Uh, I see that he he posted that he did a, uh, a a new graphic for you there. That was that was that was pretty awesome. How he he he's amazing with like he has different like art styles. Yeah, like you never know if it's him or not. Like I did, I seen it at quick glance. I'm like, oh, and then I seen you know that he posted. I was like. That does not look like he doesn't have like a signature style. Like he could do literally anything, which is insane. Yeah. So I gave him I, he the quick turnaround, by the way, if you guys are looking to get something done by extra cooler, reach out to him. I'm not sure what his books look like for the rest of the fall and, and the winter, but shoot your shot because that dude is the best. I mean, if you want a shirt that has, you know, being co-signed by FTR who rocks the, you know his gear yeah. and all that, but the turnaround, I was so quick. I had this idea because I have the show in Massachusetts coming up on 1021. And I do these, you know, Victory Pro Wrestling. They're nice enough to let me do the media tables there to give out stickers and sell things there for promotion of the tavern and, and Acefield Retro, the brand. But I wanted to have a shirt and everyone keeps asking, I, can I, you know, can you print shirts? I'll buy a shirt. And that's something that has been asked at these merch tables. And I didn't want to just print the Acefield Retro logo on it. I feel like I wanted something special. So I wanted to put the, yeah. the small logo on the pocket, which is Acefield Retro. And I took away the wrestling podcast thing because Acefield Retro is just more than that now for me. And yeah. I put the logo on the back. So I'm going to be selling those at any live event you guys find me at. Uh, 20 bucks within reason, you know, black shirt with the cool design. And uh, I think it looks awesome. I mean, I got some good feedback and Nick crushes it always. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm, uh, I'm, I, might, I might reach out to him to do some uh, updates on the... Uh... Uh, my logos, the uh, the MVP one, and uh, open mic. De definitely very thankful for uh, for the Chads uh, giving me giving me that. That was a uh, that was very that was awesome that they uh, that they actually gave me a logo first and foremost, <laughs> and then I and yeah. then they helped me out with the uh, the open mic logo, which was uh, uh, pretty awesome as well. But um, yeah, I didn't I didn't know that uh, you did the graphic work for that uh, that organization. That's pretty that's pretty wild. Is that is that something that you did you offer that? Did they ask you to do it? Like, so the person that was doing it, I think was backlogged on something we're doing and they needed a quick turnaround. And I just mentioned to Kono, Hey, I could make graphics if you want me to, I make the graphics for some of these shows. And he said, all right, practice making something. So the first one I did, I believe was for danger zone, but 
he loved it. And then now I've been making the logos. I did a SummerSlam 97 inspired show for Space of the Place this summer. So I actually completely duplicated the whole poster with instead of putting Taker in the background, I put, you know, the big boof of Desmond Cole looming over Gabriel Sky, who's playing the role of Bret Hart there. And uh, just he gives me the freedom to do that stuff. And that's what I I I feel like I thrive doing that type of stuff that I can be creative, you know, for the the February show with the, we did the war games match. He let me do the survivor series, 2002 type of feel with all the yeah. boxes for the elimination chamber. Awesome. Uh, but it was out of a need and like he, the creativity he allows me to do it. Now it's like free reign. Like he texts me and says, you know, I need these posters. And I think he appreciates the quick turnaround. Cause like I, I'll do it within a day. Like if he needs okay. a change, cause as independent wrestling goes, someone pulls out, someone gets sick, something changes. And you need to have that quick turnaround for these match graphics because it's so important to hype up the shows. And if you don't have, accurate graphics then you kind of lost in the sauce and you want to make sure you're advertising over and over again to get people in the door i was going to say how uh, you yeah, kind of answer my question like for, as, as far as like how long how long does that take is it like a is it a process that you have to go through to get get these done like you said it's a quick turnaround but obviously it, it, what's the uh, like what's the time frame for for doing something like that. So I try to get it in advance. So I have the calendar of events I know coming up. So I've been working on the Halloween poster for quite some time. It's going to be based on an old WCW poster. So you guys can check that out once it posts at remarkable underscore wrestling, but uh, it could probably take me, you know, three, four days to really like craft the poster out together. And then when I mean by quick turnaround is if someone pulls out of the show, I pretty much have high resolution photos of everyone that could potentially be involved. If not, I could just Google it off their Instagram or whatever yeah. and pop them in quick and send it right over this way that can be updated. So it could take upwards of a week and then it's always a work in progress. This match gets announced. This person's now coming to the show. The time changes, the venue, change, like there, anything yep. that can change. Got to make sure you have that document as a living document. Cause it's never set in stone. It never is. That's true. I mean, sub- subjects uh, may change. hundred percent. Yeah. Hard subject <laughs> so, to change for sure. Yeah. So it does, it does happen. So yeah, no, it's, that's uh that's that's awesome that they you know they have you to you know reach out to does the other person still do the graphics for it or did you just completely take over the, well he does the, the uh, graphics the for his own promotion like he okay. i don't think i mean it kind of took it off his plate but it's yeah. similar to the ring announcing the refereeing and the other backstage type, type of stuff there's a need for that in pro wrestling like if you are looking to help out your local indie just show up and help set up the ring or ask how you could help. They always need an extra set of hands. So if you're looking to get involved in the business in some way, just show up and reach out. Like, I mean, it's one of the more welcoming, welcoming type of work that I've ever seen. Everyone has been fantastic. And uh, it's just, it's family. Like the remarkable wrestling crew is family to me. And they're just, you know, I've been working them for a year now. They're just, they welcome me with open arms and the growth that I've seen in them. And hopefully they've seen in me has been immense. Yeah, definitely. I I was actually that's that's a uh, funny thing that you brought that up because uh, uh, Justin, uh, the wrestling classic, brought that up on our show. You, you know, I think towards the end of the show, we started talking about like, you know, how he got into, you know, meeting people and stuff like that. And he said that was one of the things he would, you know, local wrestling promotions. He would reach out, make friends with those guys, you know, interview them, do a lot, do backstage interviews, what have you. Just like he said, that's probably the best way to you know get into it is you know talking to your local you know, wrestling promoters, um, you might, you, I mean, you might not have to, you know, you know, be a referee or, you know, do something, but you can, you know, promote for them on your, your, IG. you can, you can yep. have them on like, you know, like I, if I ever reach out to like chaotic wrestling, I can, you know, say, Hey, I'm looking at, you know, you know, I can promote you. You can promote me or whatever. And I can have your, 
your your guys and gals on my show. We could do like, mm-hmm. you know, I have a show called Over Mike. We could do one-on-one interviews, uh, that type of stuff. So like he said, there is ways to do it. And you just get, like you said, you just got to go out and do it. He said, yeah. like you said, they're more than welcome to um, uh, to help out because, you know, they need as much promotion as, as anybody. Um, and the biggest thing is reliability too. Just making sure that you're always there when you say you're going to do it or if whatever you say you're going to do, you do. Yeah. Uh, that's, you know, I mean, that's every field of, of work being oh, reliable yeah, and consistent, but <laughs> more it. so in wrestling where if you are showing up, being on time, being prompt is one of the best attributes you could have. And uh, I've recognized that that's something that goes a long way where I say I'm going to be somewhere. That's where I'm going to be. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's, let's, let me go to, actually we'll skip to the, not really the beginning, but we'll go with we'll go with the Turnbuckle Tavern. How did how did you get hooked up with uh with the two bad chads? So my original podcast, so I, I started doing the Ace Field Retro podcast, which was predominantly going to be review shows of AEW, WWE, you know, the typical run-of-the-mill wrestling podcast on my own, going out there in the wilderness. And I linked up with J Bone, did coming down the aisle. Mm. Him and I did the show, so he was nice enough to have me on as a relative unknown. Uh, and then based on that, he recommended me to do the debate. And then from there, it was a jump off. I was already following the tavern, but yeah. as you know, like it kind of takes a little bit of a little bit of um, getting to know everybody before they allow you into the fold. Mm-hmm. Like I think with the Turnbuckle Tavern, they want to kind of make sure you're vetted. And I think the Turnbuckle debate, even though it wasn't intentioned to be this tryout for people to eventually yeah. come on the ta- come <laughs> into the tavern fold you do kind of sort out some people that you work well together. And that, that really, yeah. you know, the first show I did, I did with Sneed, Chad and Tom and they, you know, we kept in touch after that. It was a few months before they pitched honor society to me to do the ROH show with Tony buying ring of honor. And then, you know, yeah. obviously didn't pan out to the way we wanted to, they were just having it on AEW. So it was kind of this one thing I was like, man, I'm getting sick of doing honor society because it's just ring of honor being piecemeal conversation. Yeah. I'd rather do something mm-hmm. more meaningful and that's where shot nostalgia kind of birthed from. Cause I was like, I want to do something that's, you know, it's tangible. I could sink my teeth into, and there's nothing more than uh shot. Nostalgia is definitely when you pick the topic, you dive deep into it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, was so after, you know, you, you, you did uh, the turbuckle debates and all that stuff. And where did you, where did you pitch? Like, what did you pitch? Like doing your own thing? Did they ask you to do your, to like start doing the do shows for them or was it something that you, you brought to them? So Chad reached out to me and said they had this idea for this ring of honor show because again, Tony just bought it. So he thought it'd be a great idea. So the original concept was myself, Freems and Sneed. So starting, mm-hmm. I think it was Thursday evenings. We were going to do, or yeah, Thursday evenings because the raw down was on Tuesday at that point. Yep. So Thursday evenings we were doing honor society. And like I said, the content became too thin because we were waiting for them to launch the show. It never really happened. So what we were doing is tying in the history of Ring of Honor, and then it just became like pulling teeth to find news, like piecemealing things out, having discussions yeah. of like, would Luchasaurus be a good fit on Ring of Honor? Or like, could you pull this? It just became, yeah, it wasn't great. <laughs> so then Shot Nostalgia came from, and I had mentioned Chad, and I think I had earned enough uh, you know, trust at that point because Honor Side was already going for, I think, about 15 weeks or so or more than that. And I had said to him, I had this idea for this retro show. And I remember in the advertisement, on the flagship where they right before they go to call the hawk, it says even a, a shot in nostalgia, they have said that on the ad. And I got the name from that because what's better in, in a tavern than a shot in nostalgia. And I pitched the WCB 1996 idea. He loved it. And obviously bell I, I had worked with on the debate, but then also worked with him 
uh, on the AW wrap up show here and there. So I felt like he would have been the perfect dance partner for it. And off to the races, we're in the fifth season of like almost 100 episodes in. That's insane. Um, yeah. What's your favorite? What's it? What's uh, that's, that's kind of hard to ask. What's it? What's it? What's the show you like doing the most out of all the shows you do for uh, for Turnbuckle Tavern? It's probably shot in nostalgia just because of the creativity. And I'm really guiding the ship of where it goes in the, in the conversation because it's not only just fact-driven what we thought of the matches, what the newsletter was saying and what was happening around that time. It's also asking these hypothetical butterfly effect conversations to Colton's on the show now or just the mic about yep. how did he feel about this? How do I think this would have changed comparing it to modern day product? I just like that that very abstract conversation that comes from history because it's amazing to me how much everyone forgets that everything that's happened in wrestling pretty much has happened before. And I think yep. as time continues, we continue to see history repeat itself. And that's the same thing in a lot of different aspects of life. But wrestling is very, you could definitely predict the future by reading the past and understanding where things are or is where they used to be. Uh, but yeah. Sean Nostalgia is a lot of fun. It really is a lot of work, but a lot of fun. Yeah. It's uh, I only ask that because <clears throat> everyone does so many, you know, different shows now. Like at the beginning, it was like, you know, I was only doing the Chick Foley show and obviously Seth and, you know, Seth and Jordan, obviously they were just doing that as well. And then like, as you go along, like you kind of like, I love doing the Chick Foley show. Like when we do it, like, cause we obviously broke it down to like, when there's like, you know, big pay-per-views. If, if like these shows that we do are like the weekly shows, right. We do the Chick Foley show. I take it as like the pay-per-view essentially that's the uh <laughs> right. that's how i look at it anyway now it's like the main event and then you have and that's when you know sheena if you want to you know make her the equivalent to like a roman or a hogan or something like that that's right. when you see her you see her <laughs> she True. makes her appearance during the uh during the pay-per-views but um it, 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 it and i do love doing like i do love doing the raw down i do love doing this show but it's i can't really pick one that i love doing the most that's that's the hardest thing because i love obviously love talking to j-bone um, and young Anthony, when he decides to show up, uh, <laughs> I just want to give a shout out to uh, Chad for wrestling tonight, because that shows such a unique dynamic where really I can't picture anybody else doing that with the hard work that he puts into the overlays yeah. and just the preemptive work that goes into the research that's ever changing. The, the new cycle changes. Sometimes the big three stories change. If yep. something huge drops, like we had the releases, we're going to drop the episode. Uh, I'm not sure when this drops, but on every Monday we drop the episode on, on, uh, on video form and then Tuesday morning and in, in uh, audio form. And the other thing is just, it's ever changing. It keeps me up to date. So it's like one of these things where I'm internalizing the information as we talk about it. So it keeps me as a more intelligent wrestling fan, just by proxy yeah. of talking about it. But uh, Chad does such a great job and we've been working together for the, almost the full year. This, you know, we just dropped our, almost our 40th episode uh, and it's been so much fun doing that. And, working with him is a blast and the guy has a, a drive and a vision of what he wants the tavern to be. And you can see it. Yep. He yeah. sees it further along than everybody else. And I think where the tavern is going is, you know, based on the vision of the two bad chads and just everyone kind of working hard around it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm still, I'm still kind of shocked that I'm, uh, still a part of the, uh, the tavern feed. I thought, I, I thought it was going to be like a, like a, a quick stint. Like, you know, I was going to be like, you know, do the chick Foley show and then, you know, have me do a couple of shows on the tavern, but now it's just, you know, when I got the, you know, the message from J bone saying, Hey, I'm thinking of, you know, when we do the raw down, I want, I want you to be like the third person. And I was like, Oh, we get it. I was like, he's like, Oh, I already asked Sheena. She said, it's fine. And that was around the time we started like scaling back 
the shows anyway. So it's like, oh, whatever. And I'm not like, you know, oh, screw, screw that. I'm not doing their show anymore. I'm fully turnbuckle tavern all the way, right. man. But uh, well, I'm you like, guys are almost like, at 100 episodes, dude. That's an accomplishment. Yeah, for sure. that's this, this upcoming uh, Thursday will be 100 episodes of the Raw Down, which is pretty insane. So I've been a part of 100 episodes of Chick Foley show and now 100 episodes of the Raw Down, which is pretty wild <laughs> to even think of. But uh, yeah, no, they, they, like you said, you can tell like both Chads, man, they definitely have a vision. Um, and they definitely have a, a a path on where they want to go with this. Um, they, they, they've kind of said it, you know, um, to us, like, you know, privately in our group chats and in the, you know, the, the meeting that we had and stuff like that. But, uh, so we won't give any, anything away, but they definitely do have a vision for it. And, right. uh, I'm happy that I'm like, like I said, I'm, you know, I'm a part, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be a part of the, uh, of the ride as long as they'll as long as they'll have me on here and as long as they'll you're have a huge, you're have such you. a huge part the raw down i was just talking to chat about this i mean 100 episodes is nothing to to scoff at because most podcasts don't make it to 25 and you guys made it to 100 exactly. and and onwards and you guys continue to crush it you are literally like no joke it is my source of wwe i listen to the raw down every week on audio if i can catch it on video i do but that's how i stay abreast of what's going on in wwe because i wasn't watching it for a consistent amount of time now it's gotten better. I do watch it, but I like yeah. to hear your thoughts on it. It's become sort of this routine where I, you know, I make sure I check it out to make sure I hear what you guys think about what's going on. Cause I consider you guys the experts on WWE. Yeah, we, uh, we do. We obviously we reference, uh, wrestling tonight as well. Cause you know, myself and J bone, we definitely watch it. And we, uh, I try not to, you know, I, I try to actually, let me ask you this question. Cause I, I, I'm probably not the only person. Do you listen to anything that would, you know, sway your thoughts on anything like do you listen to like you know obviously if we listen to wrestling tonight we you know you know uh jaymo will reference and be like oh ace said something great on here and he'll like say what it's so he'll he'll he won't like take your idea and be like hey i came up with this he'll right. reference it but like do you do you feel like if you listen to something else and then when you come on to do your show you're like those thoughts bleed into yours because i don't like listening to anything really that that i that i do personally but right it's it's challenging because you're right i think inherently you're going to find like a voice that's convincing to you and chad happens to be one of the more convincing voices that he could as bell caster says sell yep. a popsicle a popsicle uh, filled with ketchup to a girl wearing white gloves or whatever the hell he says <laughs> but i like to listen to varying thoughts so i'll find myself listening on a weekly basis i'll listen to the jim Cornette experience or the drive through yeah, to get what to he thinks too. on things and I'll also listen to, to Wrestling Observer Radio with Meltzer and Brian Alvarez, or I'll listen to Figure Four Daily with Lance Storm and Brian Alvarez to get this scope of ideas. And yeah, I guess inherently you're going to find thoughts that bleed in, as you said, of, that yeah. kind of influence you. But I think if you do research that is eclectic and you take in varying mindsets from other people that you're inherently... I, like, I just disagree with a lot of stuff that Jim Cornette says. I respect what he says about yeah. the wrestling business, but I listen to it to see to make sure I have the other side of the aisle and understand what he's saying. Cause I think he usually is on the complete opposite side of Meltzer. They're like, they're on complete sides. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, Oh yeah, definitely. So, so listening to, <laughs> and also the tavern, listen to everyone here. And that's what makes the debate so good too, because it's such very, and even Rodan, you guys have such different takes on what is going on in the product that at the very least, it makes you think about it. And then you come out of it with your own opinion. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, you know, if you heard like, you know, and we uh, obviously <clears throat> when young Anthony was on, on there with us, we like, uh, not that he's gone forever, but when he was on there, it's like, you have three personalities. You have, you know, you have young, Ant he's who, who's the youngest out of obviously everybody. Right. So he has his own take of, you know, wrestling as it, 
as he's seen it when he grew up. And then you have myself and J-Bone, who's kind of around the same age where we've seen pretty much like everything uh, even way, way before Anthony. So like, I, I, I love his, I love Anthony's takes because obviously he's, he's younger than us and he has a different, very different oh, yeah. perspective of what, of what we see. And we all kind of, we all have our own varying perspectives and we all, like I said, we'll, we'll kind of go back and forth on things. And then, you know, I'll, I'll be like, I'll listen. I'll be like, Oh yeah, you might be all right. Okay. You're, you're right about that. It's, we never like get into like full blown, like, you know, Skip and Shannon type of fights or anything like that. But uh, it'd make good uh, radio. But I think everyone's <laughs> at least somewhere near. Uh, I mean, we're all near like what we all think, and I think we're always at the point where I have an open mind to be convinced otherwise. Like I try my best to always think of it from the other side. Like the most the most passionate I've been about topics was the CM Punk stuff, and I found myself like I have to step away from it and see it from a different varying perspective, and that's why. Belcaster and I would have these offline conversations about because he felt strongly the other way. And that's why we need to have conversations about, you know, with other wrestling opinions and not get, you know, upset or offended. Like I think people across all different domains could have a lot of, uh, you can make a lot of good by having a conversation with someone that just disagrees with you. Yeah. And I, I, we, I kind of talked to a uh, wrestling classic about, we, we kind of talked a little bit about CM Punk. Uh, well, the situation anyway, not really him, but like, just, you know, you know, my thoughts on it were, you know, you have that saying, you have your side, my side, and then the truth. Right. We're only see, we're only hearing your side. We're not hearing my side or the truth there. We are not hearing, you know, we're not hearing the, you know, the Bucks and Kenny and what they think. We're only, all we're hearing is the horror stories of CM Punk. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, the, and then you see like the stories of like other people in the back saying, hey, he was great to me. You, you know, took me aside, talked to me, blah, blah, blah. Like, so you, you don't really get to, like Hobbs, I think came out and said that. Like he he said CM Punk was great to him. Like so it's like, is he really this awful dude that people are saying, or is it just he already has that stigma about him? And it's just even worse now because you only hear, like I said, one side, not all sides. hundred <laughs> percent. And so, the truth I will never know the truth because the truth is also blurred with people's perspectives and agendas. Like there's also that baked into all of it. But I'm just, I'm especially doing wrestling time. I'm happy it's done. Like I was sick of having oh, that yeah. as a top three conversation every time we're out there. And it's just, it becomes exhausting because it's just, I'd rather talk about the in-ring stuff, like previewing yeah. Wrestle Dream, previewing the stuff coming up with Survivor Series eventually and Fastlane. Like I'd rather talk about the in-ring stuff rather than the stuff behind the scenes because it's a he said, she said battle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, we talk about it too on the Raw Down. And, uh, every time, you know, Vince McMahon pops up, <laughs> um, there's always seems to be news every Thursday when we get ready to do the show, we have our, you know, our set things that we want to talk about, but then like some news will break right before the show about <laughs> something yeah, exactly. happens. Like, God damn it. Do we have to talk about Vince McMahon again? And then, you know, we, we, we kind of have those back and forth conversations. Like, should we even bring it up? Should we like, depending on the severity of the story, we'll probably bring it up like the TKO stuff. Yeah. We talked about it. Cause it's, you know, it was, it's more than him. It's literally right. like the end of it's the end. It's the end of an era. It's the beginning of a new a yep. new uh, thing going forward with the WWE, like seeing how they're going to, what it's going to look like. Um, like, you know, they're looking at, like I said, they, they might be doing, you know, title changes at some point. They might be adding weight divisions. Uh, they might be, you know, doing, they calling it like a TKO weekend where they're going to do like UFC, WWE pay-per-views back to back. So there's some exciting things happening, but what happens when you, when the exciting things happen and you get a thing about, Oh no, now Vince McMahon's like, <laughs> New allegations, you know, they want to oust them. There's more down. allegations yep. coming. Is, you know, it's like, 
you, you try to you try to escape it, but sometimes you really can't <laughs> escape the. Uh, and I'm I always say like when we talk about it, I'm not a business major. I'm not like any type of professional or anything like that. We're just giving our own opinions on things, so we don't go too deep into it. But um, it's yeah, it is it is disheartening when you have to like you know you want to talk about the product, um, and just like uh, Sam Roberts says, well he has it on the back of his uh, watch watch the product. That's it. Just watch. Don't worry about the outside stuff. You know, don't worry about, you know, whose TV ratings are bigger than the others. Right. What demographic is just focus on the in-ring content. And then that, that should be able to like, you know, that should be able to bleed out and give you your own, own opinion on things. No one hates wrestling more than wrestling fans. We all know that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, do it. <laughs> yeah. It's like uh, you ever see those comments like on like uh, Twitter and uh, maybe mainly on Twitter, we'll say, um, where it'll be like it'll be just fans in general, like sports fans, like talking amongst themselves, or you know, and they'll talk about wrestling fans of how crazy wrestling fans are. Like it's 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 like you know we're known like wrestling fans are known from other you know sports because it's like I'm not sure if we're you know more toxic or less toxic or you know more tribal in a sense. You know, sports you, you have your own team that you love and all that stuff, but. It seems like there's a we have a reputation out there as wrestling fans amongst other sports. Which is <laughs> why I just well. stay away from the comments <laughs> on social media. If I post like a reel or something that, you know, reels are how you grow your Instagram. But like I like to post the clips and things and some of them get over two million views if you post the right thing. And oh, yeah. There's this comments is littered on there. I just refuse to read them because someone is saying something that is ridiculous. It, it's baiting. Yeah. It, it wants someone to they're trying to initiate an argument. Same thing with Twitter. I just try or X what they call it. Now I'm trying my best to stay away from that. And just like you said, watch the product and consume it in our ways. Listen to people that I respect or that yep. I think has value in their opinion, not just reading some person with a no, no profile picture. Yeah. And I was going to say, actually, we'll, we'll kind of, now that we're on the topic with social media, do you, you know, obviously used in a good way. Do you feel it can, do you feel it's benefiting you personally with you and your brand? Um, and expanding it and stuff like that, minus obviously, minus like the you know the negative part of it. But do you feel like it's a it's detrimental to you, um, you know, getting yourself out there? Um, no, I think it definitely is the vehicle to get my name known there, and that's how I, I might you know the ring announcing stuff has started. That's how I reached out to Kona Remarkable Wrestling. That's how I continue to post things that hype me up. And like every time I do a show, I try to make make a habit out of taking a picture with whatever jacket I'm wearing, posting a clip of the ring announcing. And that's how you get further bookings. That's how I started working yeah. with rad pro wrestling. They were able to see my work as like almost a demo tape for me to travel out to Massachusetts. And uh, yeah, social media has been really a gift for me and making sure you utilize it appropriately and follow the people you want to follow and sort of block out the negativity and don't engage. Cause I think a lot of the negativity is you could avoid it. Like if you don't, if you like, obviously you've post something on there, you have to expect, People are going to have their differing opinions. Yep. I'll post tweets. I'll post memes. I'll post whatever. I just don't engage the comments. I'll let them kind of just sort themselves out. I post it and walk away. And I think what Chad said, you post and ghost. That's what the tavern does. It, very rarely does a tavern reply to something on, on there. And I think with notoriety comes, you know, toxicity and people are going to get involved. Like if you have tavern has 11,000 followers, there's going to be people that yep. get an eye on what we post. And it winds up being something that they disagree with and they're going to be negative and they're going to say negative things about what we say. It just comes with the territory. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I used to, I used to do that like, you know, on Sheena's 
page when she would like post something and I would go like in the comments and stuff like that because normally, you know, they automatically attack on, on, on most things, but I kind of pick and choose if I am going to do, I haven't done like any, you know, responded to any comments in a while, but when I do, I usually pick and choose like which ones I know I can kind of make mad. And so I'll yeah. just read the comment and go, Oh, this is easy. You know, just like put something that I don't even like really, I don't believe in at all. I just put the opposite of what they're saying. Cause I know it's just going to you know piss them off. Right. And I'll just like play dumb the whole, you know, back and forth and all that stuff. And, uh, like I said, I haven't done it in a while. Um, but I real I rarely do it. I just, like you said, post and go. Just you post something and you just let it. Same thing with these shows. I don't read any of the uh, like re- I'll, I'll see some of the reviews and stuff like that. But other than that, I just do the show. You know, hand it over to Seth and they post it. And I don't, you know, obviously I, you know, I thank everyone for the support and stuff like that. If they, you know, they are listening for the first time, last time, long time, whatever they're doing. But other than that, comments don't really get you anywhere. It's a someone just you know, putting words down and they just sit there. They don't motivate or <laughs> anything like that. Yeah. And the same thing too. Like I, I realize that being someone that is trying to get their name out there as a podcaster, also a ring announcer in some level of a personality that is on IWTV or on turnbuckle tavern, there's going to be people that seek that out and that, that almost attracts haters or whatever. Uh, just I do my yep. best to put the blinders on and don't, don't engage because it's just, it's not worth it. And, I have my my eye set on the goal and whatever that goal might be. Uh, I don't want to let other people's negativity flood into my because to me, my mental space is is for me. I don't want that invaded by negativity of some person I don't even know. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's go back. Let's even go back even further. Um, the beginning of uh of of Acefield Retro. Where did where did your you know love and passion start with wrestling? Was it watching it? Was it collecting stuff? Who got you into it? How did how did everything come about for you with uh with this with this love of professional wrestling? So it feels like wrestling's always been a part of my life and it's something I never grew out of. So my earliest memories is the early nineties, you know, one, two, three kid, Bret Hart, those New York Raws, those types of things stick in my head. And I think of, you know, the Undertaker, like that stuck in my head. And he's still to this day one of my favorites of all time. Uh, but when I really became just die hard, where I'm initiating it by myself, it's during the Attitude Era, 97, 98, yep. where I'm watching every night on Raw. I'm living and dying what's happening on the other other channels as well. But obviously, even at that time, I preferred <laughs> WWF over WCW. And now looking back, they were both doing really good stuff. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but I was very passionate about wrestling from a young age. And it, it paired with the wrestling figures, too. I was collecting all the, the bone crunchers. And I had Hasbro's growing up. And I could see me behind me. I have all the, the Hasbro's behind me. And. Yep. I pick and choose what I buy now. Uh, just, you know, I love the new superstars line. I love the way that they have the Remco type of articulation. Yeah, I love that. Uh, but yeah, wrestling's always been a part of my friend, my, my friend groups as well. Like all my friends were diehard wrestling fans to the point where some of my closest friends, we first met doing backyard wrestling on a trampoline. Like that's how, <laughs> that's really how like we first started hanging out and we would just like book these cards and we have all these different characters and these championship and we put it on a videotape. And after spending a day, on the trampoline or in the backyard building our ring and wrestling, we would like get together, order pizza and then watch the event, which is just awesome. And then also that's paired with watching raw and SmackDown. So it was like all consuming pro wrestling. It just became, you know, one of my only things I enjoyed. And like, obviously I love sports and stuff, but nothing's really top pro wrestling ever. There's been ebbs and flows in my fandom. uh, As far as when I'm most passionate, 
I'd look back like 2011 to like 2013 is probably my least favorite yeah. time. I was like, I was student teaching. I was busy. I still was keeping up with the product, but I wasn't as in depth with what was going on. And I look at 2014 with Daniel Bryan's rise up the card and the main eventing mm -hmm. that like reignited the fire. Yeah. And of course, when AEW came along, it just like lit that fuse and I'm back, you know? So, it, you know, it's been a part of my life for a very long time. Who uh, did, did, was there anyone in particular that, um, that um, showed you wrestling or I think it was, was my it? brother, my bro, okay. my older brother who no longer is a fan. He, he's familiar with the product, but he was diehard during the attitude era. Yeah. Uh, my brother, Jimmy is just, he doesn't watch anymore, but he was the one who showed me and I just kind of took the hobby and ran with it, but he was very much into it, you know, watching the pay-per-views and watching raw with me. And uh, like I said, he keeps up with the product a little bit now and knows some of the guys, but doesn't watch it on a weekly basis. He would be what we call a lapse fan for sure. I think he watched yeah. Mania last year. So he's always my gauge of what the casual fan or former fan knows. Like I'll text him like, Hey, do you know this or whatever? Just to see like what that person would think, you know, if someone yeah. who's diehard watching during stone cold's rise at the top, you know, and sometimes he surprised me what he doesn't know. Cause like in our bubble, we think Roman Reigns is this biggest thing. And sometimes like we're just so in our bubble that we don't realize that it doesn't reach that level yet. Yeah. 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 It's, it is weird too, because like, well, just like just to pivot off of with the Roman Reigns thing, like you'll see like obviously like athletes, like you know, a lot of them watch wrestling and stuff like that. So like you'll see them do like the ones. Um, you'll see like uh on those the pre shows, they'll say like you know they'll do like the acknowledge me phrase and all that stuff. And so you, it is, it's there, but it's like you said, it's kind of still in a bubble where it's it's not there. It's amongst it's amongst sports and athletes and things like that that uh that really take hold of it like you say with the with mainstream it's i'm not sure if it's really there yet as far as with roman reigns anyway yeah it's um, not to say it won't get there i mean yeah. the rock is next level like with the rock coming back conversation oh, yeah. out in wrestling tonight was like should he be the main event at wrestlemania or like, what does it do to the product after the fact like <laughs> i personally being a diehard fan in the bubble think it should be cody's spot but i also understand the impact like this is a dude who hypothetically could run for president. Like we haven't really had a situation like this ever a star as big as the rock. In my opinion, he might be the biggest star in wrestling history just because he transcends Hogan. He transcends yeah. all like he's, he's a different stratosphere. So we're dealing yeah. with a situation that it's not just a part-timer coming back. It's someone who's larger than the business, you know, like in that's sort of the conversation you have to weigh out of nearsighted. It is definitely the choice. It's going to make the most buzz in the immediate, but down the line, it, it probably has a detriment to the product five, 10 years from now because you stunt Cody's growth and maybe Cody never gets the level he could have gotten to. Yeah. That's yeah. That, yeah. I mean, if you listen to raw down last week, you know, my, you know, my yeah, thoughts, sure. yeah, I was pretty, I was pretty sour on, uh, on the do love the rock love that he came back and all that stuff. But you know, with the, with the, with the course it's going now with like them building these, these stars now, like, you know, obviously they're not like, you know, super young guys, like, you know, Cody's not a young guy. Um, I mean, he is young, Jay Uso, like that type. Like these guys are like, you know, these are guys are like the they're the faces of Raw now. And then you have SmackDown, where it's kind of nostalgic with like you know John Cena's back, and then you, you have The Rock come back and stuff like that. Roman hasn't been on TV really, but like one defense in 125 days, I just saw. Yeah, so like <laughs> you know, it, it would be you know on paper, yes, biggest WrestleMania match in history. They say it every single year, but literally. The Rock coming back and facing, you know, a guy that hasn't been, uh, well, he well he has been beaten, but hasn't lost a championship in three years, right? Is that's, I mean, that's pretty monumental. Um, 
but like I said, if you want to hear my thoughts, definitely go on on Raw down. I was I was not too happy with uh with the Rock's return on on the wrestling level. Anyway, like you said, on the you know uh, me being a mark, I wasn't really very. No, I agree. With with I agreed one hundred percent what you're saying. But like going back to the original, like the question you had said before we feared off was you know, my brother was like my entry point into it, and he was someone that like he he loved it. And I think there's so many fans that loved it during that time that fell off of it. Yeah, that, you know, us fans, like not that it should be our, our duty to do it, but I think there's so much good wrestling that those people are missing because there's stuff that they would really gravitate towards if they just consumed it. And it's about getting their feet back in there. And we talk about it all the time. There's people that stop watching and something draws them back for a reason. And yeah. all of a sudden they're all in, whether it be work rate or whether it be this like eccentric character, something brings them back. And I think if you have an initial love for wrestling at any point in your life, if you give it another chance, you probably will find yourself watching on a weekly basis again it's um, it's like an addicting drug oh yeah definitely because you know uh, how i got my my wife started watching well she's not watching she doesn't watch it religiously but like when we first started dating and stuff like that i was watching it at the time and she got back into it because we the, it was a monday night raw and i remember it was like i think rvd was on he made it appearance it was like a while back it was like oh my god almost 10 years ago but it was like she's seen all these people that she's seen when she was right. watching it at the time like like, oh my god, Jerry King Law is still there. Oh my god, this guy's just still there. Oh my god, this uh... and I was like, Yeah, these I mean they you know they're not you know wrestling all the time, but they, you know, they make appearances. So like that got her like back into it. And then obviously Total Divas debuted, and mm-hmm. that brought a lot of like casual fans into it, a lot of women into it anyway. Um, and that just it, it, that helped out a lot. So um, it just seems like now they're not really doing anything as far as bringing the casual fan in, and besides like you know, bringing the Logan Pauls in and you know, yeah, Mad Bunny and all that stuff, but they come in and then they're gone, so they're not really sticking around for the thing. So they get those casual fans in that one event, and then they all disappear, hoping that it'll like right tack them on. But who I don't I, I don't know their numbers or anything like that. I could be wrong. They could be just garnering a bunch of fans and that happens, but I, I don't see it anyway. But anyway, um, as far as you know, we talked obviously a, a ton about wrestling. Uh, what other things are you into? You said baseball earlier oh yeah huge baseball fan so i'm a diehard baseball i love all sports hockey uh i was a parcel season ticket holder for the new york islanders for many years so i'm a huge fan they are you know disappointing at times but uh that's a different story but i love sports in general like if i had another passion podcasting about baseball would probably be my close second i do enjoy listening and talking baseball john boy media i think they do a fantastic job uh but i have a, a fantasy baseball league that is just absolutely just awesome and recently based on an uh, a vacant slot matt from extra cooler joined with us oh, nice. uh, and he kind of blended both worlds where like we do a live draft every year it's a keeper league where you keep uh prospects so you have to be really in the know and so even with the yankees being bad this year not making the playoffs it keeps you invested in the product of baseball and i to me i think it's one of the best sports on earth i think if people Similar to the history part, as I referenced before, I think the history of the game is something that is leaned so far into and comparing numbers of the current day per, you know, for the people that came before him, whether it be within franchise or just like season, you know, look at Aaron judge season from uh, a year ago, just seeing where he was and comparing it to all the names. And like, you're seeing Babe Ruth pop up and Lou Gehrig and all, I just love that part about baseball. And I just think the game to me is in a really good spot with young talent. Uh, I love I love following prospects, their path to the major leagues and and making sort of myself aware, listening to the fantasy baseball part of it, but also just awareness of who's going to be good. The scouting piece of it, uh, I would love 
first of all, I would love to work in baseball in some capacity. It's just hard to, to dedicate yourself into two different yeah. things at the time. Yeah. Cause just as passionate as people are about wrestling, baseball is a, is a 365 thing for a lot of fans too. That's yep. their, that's their thing. Uh, but you know, sports in general, like I'm a Packers fan. So, uh, I watch them on every Sunday. I would say that I'm probably the, out of all sports, football is my most casual. Like I just enjoy the sport watching. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but baseball, most diehard. And then like, as far as like passionate fan base, uh, the Islanders are just absolutely my team. And, uh, I have a seat from the original Coliseum in here with oh, me. Really? So, uh, when it closed down into that, you know, originally when it closed down in 2015, I was, you know, I, I bought one of the seats and I have it here with me. So it's, it's hair. And I like to think about all the history that that witnessed the four straight Stanley cups and, uh, before my time, of course, but, uh, I was at some of the more meaningful games. The last game that ever played at the Coliseum with Beauvillier scoring the OT goal against the Tampa Bay lightning in the Eastern conference finals. I was at the Pulak blocking the shot game, uh, Tavares when he scored at Barkley center to win their first playoff series since 93. Um, I'm, you know, diehard in that capacity. But like I said, wrestling with the podcasting and working independence, it's, it's hard to dedicate the equal oh, amount yeah. of time to all these things. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I was going to say my, my father, you know, just to get to the next question, my father was a huge baseball fan. I have like all he's, he's baseball card collector, all that stuff. I have like all pretty much. I, I mean, I pretty much have his whole collection. Um, and he, uh, he loved it because he, uh, he he liked the the pacing of it. He him, he himself wasn't a like he wasn't like he's my father's from the south. Um, you know, born he's born in Mississippi, raised in Arkansas. So like in the south, it's more it's more relaxed. Mm -hmm. There's no rush. There's like you, you're not you're not like up up east where like we're running around everywhere and we're trying to get to you know you know get get to where we're going. Where that's why he loved baseball was the the, the obviously no time limits. Uh, so it was the patience of it, the, uh, you know, the, the pitching, the batting, every, everything about it. He loved because, because there was no, there was no rushing to get things done. Essentially. Like obviously you have your, you know, your innings, but at the same time, there's no, the, the batter has to pick his swing. The pitcher has to, you know, the pitch the way he or she's supposed to, I should say, is it, what is it for you? What is it about baseball that you love the most? Definitely is the pacing as you reference. Like it's one of those sports you can pop on the radio or have it on the background and be able to stay attuned to what's going on. Uh, it's definitely one of those things that they say, I mean, it's cliche, but it's the soundtrack of everyone's summer. Like I just remember all the memories I've had of the Yankee teams I'd have in the background with barbecues and yep. people's houses. It just was always there. And I also love the strategic nature of whether it be putting fielders in the right spot. You know, I know the shift is something that's being banned now, but like putting fielders and shifting outfielders based on metrics and studying tendencies of batters. I love that. And uh, you mentioned pitching as well, watching the science of pitching and changing yeah. the way balls are held and arm angle and all of that. Uh, you know, I'm just fascinated by just the advanced metrics of baseball now. And sometimes there's an inundation of information that becomes uh, over the top. And it's almost too much information where a lot of the old school foundational baseball minds would say it's about feel. It's about gut. But we have so much information now that this young talent, you know, I look at the Dodgers, they're so good. They're, they're an embarrassment of riches because they have the both things. They have the money to spend on free agency and they have the best front office in baseball and scouting where they're able to fill their farm system and then fill it up with, you know, next man up. So if anyone gets hurt, if Mookie Betts gets hurt, 
uh, they're able to pop someone in the outfield and he's you know ready to play. And they yeah. have one of the best prospect systems in all of baseball for the longest period of time. And they're not going to be bad anytime soon. And you can watch teams that have made you know decisions in the past, like you know the Yankees for so long were signing free agents and the Sox were one of those teams as well, where they would sign free agents and it'd be like kind of damnation on the future. We don't care. We want to win now. You can't really do that anymore. It's about building for the future and putting foundations in place. You can't buy a championship like you could in the past where the Yankees yeah. in 09, yeah. probably with the last <laughs> team to do that, but like CC and, and Teixeira and AJ Burnett, like that team that was put together pretty much with a, a pocketbook. You have to put a team together as we see this year. Like the Yankees have talent. They spend a lot of money. They don't have the highest payroll in baseball. Look at the Mets. The Mets have the highest payroll in baseball and they can't make the playoffs. So it's just, it's a mind yeah. game. And, it really is the smaller market teams can find a way to find advantages and consistently compete. And they put things in place for that, but it's also getting scouts and getting people that understand the way the game works and can assess talent. And like, to me, that's fascinating because it's way more than just happening in between the lines. It's happening outside and it's a constant conversation about building and, and assessing talent. Yeah. You could say that <clears throat> you could say that about a lot of sports. Uh, well, I mean, basketball in particular with like, you know, Building yeah, they're cutting edge too, for sure. Yeah, there's no, there's no guarantee in putting all these guys on a team and it, you're going to win a championship. They, they still have to play together and they still have to gel well. Like you can make it yeah. with like you know, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, and Steph Curry, um, and be like, oh my, on paper, yeah, dude, they definitely season's over. They go and you know, eighty-two and zero. No one's ever going to beat them. But are they going to play well together? Going to pass the ball? Are they going to you know be mindful of each other's skill set? Um, you could buy, like you said, you could buy whatever team you want, but in the end, it might not, <laughs> it might not pan out that way because they still have to, you know, work in sync with each other, and they may not gel well. So you are yeah. right about that. It's one of the, it's one of those things with baseball and other sports, like you said. Like I think it's really hard to keep pace unless you keep up with the latest data. And we watch down the line, like they they put these super teams together, and of course, NBA is the biggest example of it when you yeah. toss in these these superstars in place. And like, you kind of almost need two superstars to win a championship at this yep. point and then put the plate, the pieces around it. Yeah. But with baseball, we watched San Diego Padres to put together what was considered a super team with all this talent. And there was a great article, the athletic, which I subscribed to, which is fantastic. Got podcasts. And they also have articles about the institutional failure of the organization from the bottom to the top, where even though on the surface, it looks like they have one of the best teams. It's just, they can't put the depth in place and you they're being propped up by this foundation that's flawed. And it's just fascinating to me because you can't just hide it with putting lipstick on something that doesn't have integrity. And that's yeah. something the Padres need to work on. And same thing with the Yankees. Like the Yankees have a lot to work on in the off season uh, because you can't just throw money at Aaron judge. And hopefully uh, he brings everybody up. It's you, you got to have eight other guys that have to produce and pitchers as well. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, if, if I'm going to compare it to like, compare that like you know that topic to to us as a pod foundation i think uh i think we all we all gel well with each other you can put any one of us on a show for sure <laughs> I, think, I think we'll all uh be pretty good and it's happened as you as you see there's a lot of shows that are happening now where it's just like you just mix and match and and they work for some reason who I mean, absolutely which is pretty great so we don't we don't have those problems like the uh like the sports scenes we could get that those exactly ourselves but um so as so for for baseball and stuff like that, are you a, like are you a, are you a movie buff? Are you you know are you a music nerd? Are you like what other what other uh, mm. things are you uh, are you obsessed with? 
So I, I like to go to shows, uh, music shows. So uh, some you know pop punk bands, post hardcore bands. Uh, one of my favorite bands, The Wonder Years. Anytime they're in town, I go and see them. Uh, last time I went, I uh, believe I got COVID from it because I was right in the mosh pit. So oh, that was fun. But um, but yeah, anytime they're in town, I've seen them about sixteen times. But you know, every band that I I like, I try my best to see them. Like bands like Hot Mulligan, Turnover, uh, Spanish Love Songs are coming to town. Uh, I like shows that are general admission. I like to get into like the pit and like feel the energy of the crowd. And like, that's something I really miss for um, during the pandemic, like not going to shows and wrestling events, but concerts too. the energy. It's therapeutic to be out there and sing the songs that you like and experience them with people that are like-minded, know every single word, every single chord of the song. Uh, but that's the type of music I enjoy. I love like pop punk and you know, that type of post hardcore stuff. Are you, uh, are, are you a movie buff at all? Do you watch, do you watch movies? Are you a fan of any um, genres or anything like that? I've seen like the big, you know, big ticket stuff. I wouldn't consider myself like a movie buff, but I've seen pretty much the big ticket movies that come out. And I like uh, the comedies, like some of my favorite movies, like, you know, Wedding Crashers, uh, Superbad, that type Classic. of stuff. Uh, Dodgeball. I think I just like oh. Vince Vaughn. <laughs> like, I think Vince Vaughn <laughs> is one of my favorites. <laughs> I love it. That's funny. I love Vince Vaughn, man. He's like, yeah, dude, Dodgeball is like one of the funniest movies. If anyone hasn't seen it, definitely go. See, Dude, it almost came out 20 years ago, 2004. Yeah. And Crazy. I was going to say, like, most of those movies, those comedies back then, uh, they're probably going to stay back then because they definitely won't be able to make any of those nowadays. Um, so definitely, uh, if they, you know, if you definitely go out of your way to watch those. But let me go. I, I want to I want to skip back a little bit because you brought up uh, mosh pits. And uh, I when I one of my co old co-workers, he was, uh, you know, into, you know, punk rock, all that stuff. And, uh, you know, he would, you know, we got along really, really well. I don't know how, but we just did. But he would talk, he would go to like a lot of shows. Like he's from New Hampshire. And he'd go to a lot of like local shows and stuff like that. And he would tell me stories of just like, just people beating the shit out of each other in, in mosh pits. And I'm like, you, you were in these? I'm like, yeah. So he like, oh, pulls out his phone and he showed me like, you know, videos of like, you know, his friend, like, well, we'll be filming him in a mosh pit. It's just literally just fist fighting. <laughs> like, do you, so he got knocked out before. That's, that's what I was getting to. Like he's, he's been like, yo, he got dropped. He dropped a few people before, not on purpose, obviously. Then right. you know, it wasn't a fight, but like, has that happened to you at all? Have you, have you ever been knocked out or knocked somebody out? Not knocked pit? out, but I definitely got my <laughs> nose bloodied before by like, not even just like people in the mosh pit where they're like bouncing around. Cause that's just like kinetic energy. And you kind of got to keep your head on the swivel, making sure. Cause I don't think, I mean, there might be a case the shows I go to, there's not really anyone has an intention to hurt anybody. There are yeah, hardcore yeah. shows you go to that people are out to do that, which is hopefully they're eliminated from the scene. Yeah. But uh, as far as like the most time I would ever get hurt would be someone going up to uh, to what is it uh, to get on top of the crowd uh, crowd surf, and they they would go to crowd surf and like their leg would hit and like if you're not expecting uh... someone to come behind you and lay on top of you, that's like when I was seeing the Wonder Years as I referenced in the city uh it was two two sundays ago at this point there people were doing that and if you stand in the front i was like in the third row you have to expect that people are going to be coming up over the top of you oh yeah and, it, and that was like pretty much non-stop so uh that's the type of stuff that you can get hurt doing and there's some horror stories obviously of people doing that um you know if they're not prepared or something crazy happens but yeah uh when you're out there i mean like i said i'm gonna be 35 so i try my best to stay out of the full <laughs> mix of things i try to just get close yeah. to the stage but no, you just got to make sure you you keep your space and like make sure make sure you have your head on a swivel for sure. Yeah, I seen. Uh, yeah, he he like I said, he showed me a bunch of videos 
of him and his buddies. Obviously, they record each other in it. And he, I was going to go with him once, and I was like, you know what? I was like, nah, not my scene. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to get involved in any. Uh, I was like, if I get, if I get hit, I'll probably like first I'll probably cry, and then I'll probably just get beat up because I cried in the middle of uh, <laughs> the middle of the show or something. But uh, but um, yeah, man, just like I was just I was just watching that stuff. So wait a minute. So you'll let me get this straight. So you'll enter a mosh pit, right? Yes. But you will not take any bumps in the wrestling ring. I didn't you, say no. Hesitating. It's an insurance thing for, for the remarkable school. Like, yeah. I, I want to make sure that they're clear. Cause like, I think the way it goes is they, New York state, and I'm not sure if it's the same for every, I don't think every state has to do this, but for New York state, yeah. the athletic commission, you have to be checked out by a doctor before you athletically yeah. compete. Yeah. That's not the same for Jersey. I don't think it's the same for Massachusetts. You could just run the show without an ambulance, no doctor. Oh yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's one of those things where, like, I don't know. I want to make sure that I have an idea. Like, personally, I want it to be – I have a great idea in my mind. I have the person I want to work with doing it. I remember the Daniel Bryan stuff with Justin Roberts. I want that exact scenario where someone's choking me with the tie during uh, chaos. I and like I want that. it to be Dominic De Niro. I think it would be fantastic. And there was a perfect opportunity when they're building up the War Games match. And it's chaos at the end. All the teams are out there. It would have been the perfect opportunity to do it. But I was still sort of new. Yeah. Uh, now, if they have anything like that, maybe they bring the war games back this February. Uh, I'll shoot my shot to see if I can have that spot. Yeah, I definitely have to. Uh, definitely have to see because you said you it's a you said it's going to be here in uh, October twenty first in Massachusetts. So I'll be in October twenty first in Amesbury. I'm not sure how far Amesbury, Amesbury is uh, for the show called uh, Power Transfer. So for Rad Pro, I'll just explain that for a sec for people. I don't know if they like everyone. It's a different concept for sure. It's similar to Chikara yeah. where. Every talent that comes in, they live in this universe specifically. So they might be local talent, but you know, for example, Leo Sparrow, he works for Creative Pro, he works all these different spots. Yep. He's Blossom Oak in Rad Pro Wrestling. So that's right. They have different uh, characters, and I have a different character. I'm Fred Vernon. I'm at Acefield Retro there. So you have to exist in 1994. Uh, it's a time lapse where, like, n- if you're on commentary, you have to keep in mind, like, it's the baseball strike. It's not. You have to keep things in in perspective that's where cool. it's a. Yeah, it's kind of immersing yourself in a timeline, which is really fun. But uh, that show is happening 1021. And then on t- on 12-2, which is December 2nd, we have Forever Rad, which is going to be the se- season finale of 1994. And they're going to move into 1995. And I think I'm pretty sure Rad Pro is going to be a part of Restful that's happening at the end for New Year. I think their show is on New Year's Eve. So it remains to be seen if I'll be there for it. But uh, that's in Worcester as well. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm, I'm going to uh, I'm gonna have to actually go out there. Uh, how far is Amesbury from you? Probably like th- maybe thirty minutes. Oh, that's not minutes. bad. It's like a five-hour drive for me. So yeah, no, no, definitely not. De- yeah, definitely. I want to start, you know, going to a lot more local uh, organizations around here because uh, it's uh, like you said, you get once you start going, you start getting the bug, and you like you just want to see how other, you know, how other uh, performances happen and stuff. Um, so she's sitting in front row, very interactive. Oh yeah, to interact with them. They're uh, it's 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 a fun time, man. It's it's um, you know, it's it's definitely a different pace from you know the TV, TV wrestling, as I oh, call it. Oh, absolutely. Anyway, I would I'm... recommend on Thursday, every Thursday, forever wrestling open. They did run at the White Eagle in Worcester, so that's also yeah. that might be close to you, but that's something they do, and it's cheap tickets. Uh, fantastic talent. Like I said, I mentioned some of the dudes from Remarkable work there, whether it be Percy Ryan, Desmond Cole, but I mean Alec Price is there, Ichiban, like. They kill it. And they're on IWTV. If you guys can't get there in person, you should check it out on IWTV. They run it Thursday. It's must-see TV. And 
some of the best talent in the world are coming through Worcester. And like I said, it's a hot spot for pro wrestling. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, it's uh, like I said, it's a, it's a kind of like a. I'm not saying it's a boom period, but I like I said, I've, I've started to see a lot more local shows, like the one we um, the one I went to a uh, few actually it was last month. No, yeah, in August I went um in Everett, the uh, the chaotic wrestling. They did a show at um, mm-hmm. Night Shift Brewing. Um, because at night shift they have like an outside, like a big outside area. They set up a ring and chairs and all that stuff. And um, actually, one of the workers there got involved at the end, at the end of the match, which is actually oh, nice. cool. The way they did it, I was like, holy crap! He's uh, my buddy's like a, uh, I call him like an ambassador for night shift brewing because he's literally there. Like he's there every week. He uh, he actually bought them like this little like stuffed owl, and they have it like if you walk, you walk in and you're ordering your beer. It's up on there, like it's like a shelf area. You can actually see it sitting up there. So like he's like he he has an end with all those all those guys. But I just thought it was cool actually seeing one of the servers there actually show up at the end of the show. I was like I was like he was just I was like what the uh, hell? that's funny. Had, I, uh, I definitely should uh, check it out. Like I said, I'll be in Amesbury, so maybe it's on the way back. I'll pick up like a six pack or something from. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely no, for sure. It's awesome. Yeah, though, definitely, especially if I uh, if we if we if I go out there, you could definitely you know hang out or something. That'd be pretty. Cool. Oh, 100 Yeah, I definitely we. That we made a day of it. Like I, st- the, I stayed there the night before just so I don't have to drive in the morning. Yeah. And we hung out in Amesbury. I was trying to become familiar with the town. There's like coffee shops and restaurants and stuff, but uh, it's about 15, 20 minutes, maybe a little bit more than that from Worcester. I was trying to gauge it from, from dropping there. It's, it's pretty out there. Amesbury. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. And it's, a, and I guess that it's, it's, it's not too, I mean, it's not too far for me, but obviously I, I drive for you in that sense. But um. What do you what do you see as the as the future of Ace Field Retro? Do you are you looking to like expand even bigger? Are you trying to I have you have you thought that far ahead? Or are you just like right now just kind of like like you said doing now like doing a lot of like the you know announcing and stuff like that? Doing you know, obviously Turnbuckle Tavern doing those shows. Is there anything more that you're trying to accomplish, or is it too early to tell for you? So I'm making a, a a list of goals I have for 2024, and some of it has working with two new promotions, and that's a goal I'm setting okay. for myself that I want to work, whether it be a promotion that's within driving distance or right in my backyard. I want it to be something that you know. Also, want to set up maybe res- wrestling. I mean, working with a company during WrestleMania weekend in Philly. I'm not sure if Remarkable is planning on running a show closer to that weekend, but I want to be able to be a part of that in 2024. Uh, that's in the immediate, but really like what started as, and actually, if you people notice on my Instagram, I took out wrestling podcast out of the logo because I had just an idea that like, it's not just a wrestling podcast. And I really don't just do the the podcasting on my own channel anymore. Yeah. I was doing these interviews. My last interview was with Paul Laurier, which was awesome. He was a great conversation, but I posted on the tavern anyway. And I want to put all my effort and energy into building the tavern, helping build it to a new level yeah. where I think posting on my own, doing the Acefield retro show, it was almost counterintuitive than putting the effort back into the tavern. I wanted to make sure that I was putting maximum effort as far as podcasting go into building the tavern brand, because I think that already for me, that being bigger can lift our voices to get to more ears and make sure people understand that you know, there's a passionate group over here that loves wrestling. So mm-hmm. the Acefield retro thing is like my gimmick. Now it's just my wrestling persona. And yeah. then at this point, my podcast is going to live on the Turnbuckle Tavern. Awesome. That's uh. So, is there any, you know, are you going to like you know, yeah, yeah, barbershop 
any one of us and just you know, go on, <laughs> go on your own, just barbershop the tavern and uh and just split off, or is it do you see yourself with the you know the tavern for technically for the foreseeable future, if you want to say if you want to say that? Uh, I definitely want to stay with the tavern. I think uh, my goals align with the two bad chads and everybody else here. I think the vehicle helps everybody. Like if yep. the brand of the tavern is bigger than Acefield Retro itself, so it helps everybody. So if we can all help build this brand around us and get the tavern to be synonymous with pro wrestling conversation. Like I think it would be really cool down the line. Like I think everyone makes it, you know, making jokes about Hawk being recognized at that show in Indiana, but yeah. it's, it's, <laughs> it's damn cool. Like, and people that yeah. come up to me, at the VPW shows at the media table and they say like, I listened to this show or I saw you announce here. Like that's kind of surreal to me. And I want to get to a point where we are kind of synonymous, like I said, with pro wrestling and, and having opinions and being this, you know, vehicle for people to get their consumption and understand what's going on in the world of wrestling. Cause I think what the tavern has done best is the consistency part. And like you said, yeah. there's been people that I've taken breaks. There's been people that uh, need, time off for business busy schedules and that's okay but i think the large group can keep it going yeah while those breaks are being had and as you see with wrestling podcasts how many do we see drop off because of timing and they're like i'm taking a hiatus i'm doing this the tavern is yeah. never going to do that as long as i have a say like i yeah. don't <laughs> want that ever being the case i want to consistently churn out uh i want to churn out content because that's how you keep eyes on it because as soon as you become dormant then the eyes disappear and go elsewhere. So once you yeah. have people captivated by what you're saying, you want to capitalize on it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. That's uh that's, that's one of the things, you know, just working with, with, uh, with the chads and working with you and everyone is, is the, uh, is a consistency part of things. And that's where, you know, that's where we kind of got the idea from, you know, you know, Seth and Jordan doing the pod warriors show. And then me, you know, you know, reaching out to she and saying, Hey, I want to do like, you know, I know we don't do interviews on, on the Chick Foley show, but you know, what do you think about me just, you know, doing interviews? That's like, you know, reaching out to people and, you know, you know, kind of, you know, having that, you know, like I said, it's the Chick Foley show presents open mic. So it's still, it has that aspect to it. It's just obviously me doing, doing the interviews. And, you know, like you said, if, you, if you're not consistent, consistent in that sense, um, it, like you said, eyes and ears are going to go somewhere else. And, you know, Definitely thankful for the platform. I mean, to be on two different platforms, to be on for sure. You know, the turnbuckle feed and being on the on the Chick Foley feed. So, like, trying to you know, like you said, bridge that gap, be that like you know, be like kind of like the forbidden door, essentially, right? Uh, show that it can work. It's not like, you know, it's not like I'm, um, you know, leaving one and going to the other. It's like you know, we're all pretty much on the same on the same playing field. Obviously, with the with the Pod Foundation. And stuff like that. We all try to. The whole idea behind the Pod Foundation was us trying to help each other out and trying to lift each other up and trying to cross promote. And you know, if something happens, someone goes viral, something gets you know big, and it, it, it just helps everybody. Like you know, that's that's how, I mean, that's how it should go anyway. Yeah, and this is I'm just realizing now that this is my Infinity Stone of the Pod Foundation. This is my first debut on the Chick Foley show. So been on oh, extra nice. cooler coming down the aisle. Obviously, <laughs> Turnbuckle Tavern here at Chick Foley. So. And also, I mean, we got to give a lot of credit to Sheena. She yeah, kind of, drove this. And I think standing on her shoulders is what she established with her brand prior to everybody. And I love the origin story about the Chick Foley show. And I have so much respect for the brand that you guys built over there and just the conversation and really the fan base. I love the episodes you guys drop and the unique twist on things, whether it be Pod Warriors or even like the Goal Line show now. Yep. Uh, Chick Foley in its own right are pioneers of the podcasting world because they were doing things. You guys were doing things prior to 
you know, the tavern existing and us all working together, similar to what the conversation was about AEW and WWE working together. It, it helps everybody to have the tie in of, yeah, Sheen has a lot of followers on Instagram and she has a, yep. a following that she's earned and deserves. And she's, yep. she's grinded to get that. And we're only helped by that because now we're associated. Anytime she drops our name on the Chick Foley show or extra cooler drops our name or J bone drops our name. It's just another person that yep. might be listening and they'll tune into us and it just helps everybody. Yeah. And I, uh, I always, I always try to, you know, pretty much every episode, especially when I'm, you know, when I have a, the ladies on here or any, you know, I, that's, that's one of the main reasons too. I want to do the show is like give like a voice to the women out there that are, you know, it, you know, talk, content creators and stuff like that. Um, like Sheena. Um, Cause when I, you know, I talked to wrestling classic about this and when, you know, back in 2014, it was literally just like, you know, Sheena and then like him, I think extra cooler. And then there was a few other people. There weren't many wrestling oriented, um, like social media uh, right. pages out there. It was very, it was very little. So at the beginning, they were all helping each other out. Like Sheena bought, you know, the wrestling classic t-shirt. She, you know, she wore it posted on her Instagram and he would do the same thing for her. And then, you know, she helped, you know, Nick with his art and stuff like that. And they all kind of like boosted each other up. So I always try to, every time I like, I always try to give her props every, every episode, especially, like I said, if I do have, have a woman on there or a lady that's in, you know, in the collecting realm, in, in, in the wrestling realm, I always try to say like, Hey, you know, she is the one that like, you know, started me on this. So like, yeah, for sure. Then, you know, and, uh, and that's, that's kind of like my gateway. Um, I was actually just saying, actually, no, that, that's a good question. Before I go to my last question for you, do you think we'll ever in the tavern, you know, obviously we have Sheena, you know, she's a, you know, the first lady of, uh, of the pod foundation. Do you think there would ever be another, was there any scouting for another <laughs> like, like woman to be in the tavern? Cause there hasn't been a tavern specific like lady. Um, I would say the opportunity is always there. Cause like, I just look at Colton's origin story where he called in, he had an idea. I believe he was defending Dom Mysterio or I forget how it was now, but his conversation or his voicemail he left on the flagship was so entertaining that they asked him to come on the debate. So I guess hypothetically, if there is a wrestling fan that's out there that happens to be female that yeah finds a way. I mean, we've had, you know, individuals on the debate. I think uh, I forget the girl that, she likes uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. And that oh, is Mar uh, Marie Shadows. Yeah, exactly. Marie Shadows was on here. Yeah, she's so, awesome. I mean, I I would be open to her working with us and do a New Japan show if she had the time. Like, that'd be cool. Uh, oh, really, the, the thing is, what's really awesome about the Two Bad Chads is, like, giving the creativity and flexibility to, for everybody to have their own idea and run with it. And the autonomy to work on things that you're passionate about, as long as it aligns with, really, with the values of the Davern art, just making sure that we are kind of staying on board and that never micromanage ever. Like it's always just like your own unfiltered thoughts. As long as it falls into a line with making sure we're not going to be canceled on the channel that they're going to, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's why it was always gnarly to get Hawk out there and put oh, him on a show. Yeah. But, uh, I would, I would say it's a possibility. I think as you mentioned, wrestling is becoming more inclusive. Uh, you know, re women's wrestling is certainly taking such yeah. large steps since 2014. Uh, when Chick Foley show started just in, in that, period of time in 10 years, nine years, I think re women's wrestling has come such a long way with WWE and impact wrestling and AEW. And so I think there's a lot of women that are fans of wrestling. If they want to yeah. get on a podcast and talk about it, it's certainly something I would be uh, definitely welcome with open arms. Yeah. I see. Uh, there's a, there's a ton out there. There's like, 
They said, uh, said I uh, interviewed here, Liz, already. Um, Who's the girl that the cosplayer too that she dresses up as? Uh, oh, oh, over the moon salt. She, oh, she's she awesome, was on yeah. the she was on the debate too as well. They had her. She's fantastic. On there before um, you have uh, Gigi for the win. That's another one out there. Mm-hmm. Ollie Keeks. I want to get her actually on the fo- show. She's she just talks about AEW. So I'd be like, I, I kind of want to bring her in just to see, you know, what her thoughts are, and then kind of. Hand her over and see the have her on the debate for sure. How, uh, see how that would go. So like, how, that's how Marie Shadows, you know, when she was on my show, that you know, Chattery Jones was like, "Hey, he's like, you think she'll do uh, the debate?" I was like, "Yeah, I don't see why not." And then you know, the rest is history. But uh, yeah, just like I said, just to get more uh, more female voices um, on here because you know she she held it down for long enough. I think uh, I think she you know you need a torch. Pass a torch, essentially, just like uh, just like they do in wrestling. You know, you have the vet, you have the uh, you know, the legend, <laughs> and then they pass the torch on. <laughs> I'm not yeah, sure if we want to, but nah, she um, we, we love her having her voice here and listening to what her thoughts. <laughs> I, I always love what they drop there, and you know, shout out to Seth too. They do such a great job of what uh, the content that they bring on a weekly basis, and yeah, and then I mean, the whole pop fan, I know we continue to put them over, but like the extra cooler crew is just fantastic, and everyone brings a different style, and J Bone brings a different style to what we all have and just having the, like, I always have something to listen to as well. That's the other beautiful thing. I can always rely on the pod foundation of, to have something. If I have a long drive, I could put on a, a wrestling podcast. That's, that's relevant to today. And that's, you know, go back five years ago. That wasn't the case. Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, like you said, it's, you know, I know we're like, we always we're putting each other over and stuff like that, but it really is like, it, it's, it's great in the sense that not only do, you know, we all love, you know, professional wrestling. We all love creating content, stuff like that. The best thing about it is like the the meeting, like us meeting each other, and all us being kind of like you know long distance, you know, friends essentially, and having yeah. these these relationships and people you never would have met ever in your life if if you know something like this didn't happen. Like it's crazy to think about. And like I thought about that when I went to Chicago for All Out Weekend or Brawl Out Weekend, if you will. But like yeah. meeting up with <laughs> Belcaster and Tom and like meeting up with Hawk and then seeing them yeah. in person. And it's bizarre. And then when I went young Anthony and like, these are people that you would run into in the street and never know. But like, it feels like we know each other for intimately yeah. at this point. Cause like we see each other more than you see some of your friends that like, yeah, you, that live close by to you. No, it's true. Yeah. And uh, we, we talked about that. Uh, me and Jay, well, when J bone came up, you know, uh, to Boston, he, uh, we, we like, we hung up like two hours, I think before, like we like met up, like before the game started and we just we went to a uh we went to this restaurant it was me my wife him and his wife and his brother and i think his brother's wife mm-hmm. and we just like like we never like obviously we, we we haven't seen each other like in in person in person but like right it was like we never it didn't even matter it was just like you know i was like oh hey j bone and then we just sat down you know drank something ate something and you know chatted up and like it was never like it wasn't any any nervousness at all it was just like it was just the only nervousness was like, oh, I'm, I'm actually seeing this person like in real life. <laughs> but other than that, it was it just felt like, you know, just like another yeah. like hangout session, which is weird, dude. Very strange. But, it's um, beautiful. I mean, think about it. It's, it's men in tights that have, have created that dynamic where we we foster these relationships from this passion of, of pro wrestling. And it's so beautiful because yeah. like like you said, these people <laughs> were never going to know. Uh, we wouldn't have known. And future people like think about the bridge in the gap. Like you're in Massachusetts. I'm on long Island and yep. J bones in Louisiana and yeah. Belcaster is in Chicago and Chad's are in West Virginia. Like 
just that alone, being able to like connect the dots with people that and meet up for shows and have conversations about wrestling. It's just, it's, it's crazy, but really awesome. Um, let me, uh, so the last question I always leave off. If you listen to the show, the last question is always, it, it, it's a hard one. It can be hard. A lot of people like to pick two or three, but we kind of talked about this earlier where, you know, you have the people that drop off of wrestling. They might be, they might've been wrestling fans before, you know, they stopped watching at some point. Um, what match, um, I'm going to kind of elevate it. What match, what storyline and match they have to run concurrent. Would you show to a person that dropped off of wrestling to bring them right back into wrestling? Could be, could be past, you know, present, anyone. Like it could be way in the past. Um, what storyline and match? Because I think it's when I say match, it's like, eh, you have to have a build. So I want the build to the match. And it has to be the 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 result is the match. What would you show that person to say, hey, I know you're out of wrestling, but this right here, this is gonna fucking bring you back. No All right, so for, <laughs> for recency, I would say Sami Zayn, Roman Reigns, Elimination Chamber in Montreal. Just the electricity in that crowd. Okay. Finish, be damned, whatever. Was it the right decision? Was it the wrong? Who cares? Just the atmosphere there. Would How could you not be caught up in what was happening there? So if I had someone who's never experienced pro wrestling, yeah. I would show them that match, show how electric it was, how over Sammy was, how despised Roman was. That's wrestling in a nutshell. Yeah. Uh, other matches, like if I if someone's never seen wrestling, I would want to show them like Hogan Rock, WrestleMania 18. I think that has the electricity that you're looking for, palpable that they don't do a lot. Like if you watch the the, the match on mute, they don't do a lot of things, but the storytelling is no. magnificent with the facials and all that. But I also to give AEW some love. I was in the building for it. Brian Danielson, Kenny Omega was the most oh, electric I've man. been in the building for a wrestling match, and I've been at WrestleManias, I've been at SummerSlams. Uh, that was the most like tangible, like you could almost see it hanging in the air. Uh, and for me that, I mean, the fact that Danielson and Omega are two of my favorites of all time linking up just the electric. I mean, it's about the moment and that created one for me and I'll always remember it. Oh yeah. No, that, that, that for, for like, for sure was a definite dream match that they could have definitely made a lot of money off of if they put it on a pay-per-view. But Tony was like, you know what? Let's, put on tv for free i was going to say that or uh uh brian and Han- hangman as well um when they went to the uh to the limit that was uh pretty awesome as oh, well. oh that was awesome yeah the only other part the only the, um uh rucker from boot to the face he's the, he's the only one on this show that's picked the hogan uh hogan rock match and he said, you know, we, we had a conversation about Hogan and stuff like that. But he uh, he, he says, uh, you know, he's like, for what it's worth, like, you know, say what you want about Hogan. He's like, that match right there, like, if you want to show somebody that's not a wrestling fan um, a match, like a wrestling match, show them that. Show them the build to that and then show them that match. And they'll get exactly what, you know, professional wrestling is. Like, it's not obviously, it's, they're not doing flips. They're not doing anything crazy. Like you said. It's facial expressions. It's just, you know, it's a slow pace. They take their time in the match. Um, you, the, the crowd obviously is like, like insane. Like it, yeah. they flip from, you know, cheering Hogan to booing him at one point, you know, cheering the rock to booing the rock. It's like, it's all encompassing. And then if you watch the build, like the packaging for it, like, you know, who the rock is, obviously, you know, who Hulk Hogan is, you know, and now you have these two icons going at it. That's a, that's a perfect way to, uh, I think to bring somebody in. So you're the second person that brought that matchup. 
Yeah, I just I think wrestling is about moments. I love work rate. Like that's me. I love watching the technical side of things, the Kurt Angles and the, you know, the Brian Danielsons. That side of wrestling for me is just where it's at. But if you want to, the question is driven towards bringing in someone who doesn't doesn't like wrestling, hasn't watched wrestling. I think it's important to capture two things. It's the energy of the crowd and the atmosphere. And it's also well-defined characters. And there's no one more well-defined nowadays than Roman Reigns. He's someone that's so, you know, who he is, you know, how just watching him once, you know, exactly who his character is. He's the man. He's the guy who carries his company on his shoulders. And then even like watching the match with Sammy, it was the perfect encapsulation of what pro wrestling could be. And I understand it's elimination chamber and the ending left people sour. Same thing with Cody and Roman too at WrestleMania. That moment, despite the ending <laughs> you just watch the like very rarely like watching that mania i felt like a kid again and it's yeah. very rare that wrestling can do that to you where you sit and you're watching with people and i was watching with the remarkable crew and like the whole place was just like it was buzzing for cody's entrance and uh you know negative one is out there brody jr yeah. and like all that is just you can't uh, recreate it's a moment in time and some of the best wrestling moments and that's where you see the vision of the sports entertainment piece of it that it's you understand why they sacrifice work rate a lot of ways because you you set, you get the moment, but like you, know, the, you get the best of both worlds. There's a, there's yeah. a world where you can have. A, I mean, the Sammy match and Roman was very good too. That's the other piece of it, and it had the atmosphere piece. So those are two big pieces that you want to have and check both boxes. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I think we'll end it. I think we'll end it there. You know what? I'm gonna um, I'm gonna say thank you for joining. This is uh this is great. Like I said, this is a, you know. This is the first time we actually got to sit down and you know talk one on one and talk you know actually like have a conversation about you know about wrestling as opposed to you know talk about like the actual like product and right what's going on and things like that and um, I definitely look forward to you know hopefully working with you again at some point on the tavern. I know there's a lot of opportunities because <laughs> you can just hop on whenever you want on some of the wrap up shows. I think I might start doing that. Um, I always see it. I'm like, damn, I wish I could jump on, but. Obviously, some things always ha- usually happen. Oh yeah, life but, is um, busy. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, de- definitely. Thank you for uh, you know showing up, and definitely want to uh, you know give you your credit. Like I said at the beginning of the show, before when I introduced you, I think definitely you are like one of the work workhorses. I think you could definitely make an argument for other people, but like I said, you do a lot. You do. I mean, you do more shows than anyone that I can think of on the tavern <laughs> right now. Besides, like Fig Night, you're pretty much like on a lot of the shows. Yeah, um, I do. I do appreciate that dude. And like, <laughs> really, just the idea of just the opportunity to to talk wrestling with different people and the open door for for shot nostalgia. If you'd like to pick a Saturday Night's Main Event episode that you want and just, you know, let me know. I put that out in the tavern chat. So we are taking a hiatus after this season. So it's going to be a 30 week break. So this is the opportunity to if there's a Saturday Night's Main Event episode from we're about to jump into 88. But from okay. 88 until, you know, even the ones they renewed in 08 and, you know, let me know. You could pop on with us. And it, it's crazy how Shot Nostalgia almost creates situations like we're going to get the return on NBC again, like just with this TV deal. I'm like, yeah, it's it's insane how like that's happening now that we're covering it. It's kind of crazy. That's uh, now you have some more stuff to uh, to, to cover. Yeah, exactly. season. <laughs> so it looks like it looks like it's like a, a multi-year deal that's going to be happening so yeah it said four uh four episodes of saturday night's main event on nbc so that's insane that's insane to think about actually can you that's, imagine that i hope crazy. they leave the same presentation and we were talking about it on wrestling tonight maybe with obviously usa smackdown 
it's not a guarantee that they leave raw from SmackDown, but I don't think they're going to pay for both. So that means that raw is up for grabs, whether they go to, to me, I think it's a non-traditional streaming platform. It's going to be Netflix, Amazon, maybe yeah. even Apple TV, something like that, that wants to use something that's consistent and driven that brings eyes to that, whatever they're trying to do. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see, man. Cause it's, they, they are trendsetters. I think WWE continues to set the trend about what's next. The network was, game changing for everybody, even for media, not just for wrestling, for entertainment at large. Like think about 10 years ago that they had the foresight to say, we're going to put streaming for nine 99. That's unheard yep. of. They're going to buck the, the pay-per-view model. They're going to change everything. Everyone laughed at them. Look at it now. Yeah. Look at it now. Insane. Just, yeah. Like I said, say what you want, obviously about, uh, you know, Vince McMahon and, you know, where he's at mentally and, you know, all the <laughs> jokes about that, but, that dude is, uh, like you said, he's a he's definitely a visionary. <laughs> for sure, in, in, insane. But um, like I said, we'll uh, we'll end it here again. Thank you for being on the show. I definitely definitely love to have you again if you'd like to. to hop for sure, on. dude. Think, thank uh, you for coming. Let me know if you can be out in Amesbury. You're, you know, if you if you come, let me know. We'll link up before or after. Oh yeah, no, definitely. And um, like I said, I'll, I'll probably you know I wasn't gonna I'll, I'll just say it on the show, but I'm gonna I'm gonna start you know maybe taking this show in like you know different not a different direction, but obviously doing like, you know, doing interviews, but maybe doing like, you know, like solo shows or something like that. So, you know, just talking, you know, the in between, if I can, obviously if I can't get a, a guest, I don't want it to like, you know, the show to disappear. So, right. Um, I might like, you know, call someone up in the tavern and be like, Hey, you want to hop on real quick? And I don't know, just you know, hell yeah. Let me know about <laughs> something that that's what pretty much my, uh, my idea behind it is. So, cause you kind of said it before, once you, once you're not consistent, people go elsewhere. So, I don't want it to change in that sense, but just give you a little, uh, live you, I'll give everyone a little preview of what's going to probably happen with the, uh, with the open mic, uh, thing and some other things I, I have some ideas for about the show, but we'll, uh, we'll end it there. And, um, again, everyone, thank you for listening. If you listen to it for the first time, like I said, last time or a long time, I appreciate it either way. Definitely check out everybody on the, uh, on the pod foundation, um, at Pod Foundation on IG, that's where you get all the updates. It's back up and running, so that's your one-stop shop for uh, for all the new and noteworthy things that are happening with us. But uh, until then, I uh, I'll talk to you later. Oh.